up, kid. All I gotta say is, Portland can't say shit. Welcome to a special mini episode of Sounders Scuttlebutt. I am one of the hosts, Cameron Collins, of your Scuttlebutt podcast, and uh, Aaron is at work, so uh, just me today, but uh, we have a very special guest coming to us from St. Louis, getting ready for uh, the big match this weekend of two of the top teams in the MLS, Seattle Sounders and uh st louis city is it fc at the end do they have an fc uh sc 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 soccer club yeah. uh brandon hernis uh how's it going man good thanks for having me on cameron and uh might be the first time anybody's described me as a special guest usually they uh use the term uninvited but uh <laughs> <laughs> happy to be here so why don't we start with what's it been like having an MLS expansion team. We were obviously there in 2009 here in Seattle and, um, you know, immediate success and and only missed the playoffs for the first time last year uh, after 13 years straight, but we did win the CONCACAF Champions League. So give and take, uh, yeah. what's that been like suddenly having a team, an MLS team and, uh, you know, watching the team and your, your fandom grow and all that. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride to be honest so far. Um mostly because we got the announcement what three or four years ago now that we had we had won the expansion bid and then everybody was really hyped up for the team and then COVID happened and kind of delayed everything. So it's been like this really long, slow groundswell build to the excitement of just actually kicking off finally. Um but I mean, you know, you see you see all the people around the city for even a year, 18 months before the team even started playing, you see the stickers everywhere, the flags, the signs, the colors, the, you know, the team, team gear on people. And it's been awesome. And it's just been an explosion so far for the home games, um, you know, street parties and thousands of people turning out and just the, you know, the, it was this thing that the city in some respects maybe didn't know that it was ready for, but it's just been it's been awesome. It feels like a party every Saturday, really, even for the even for the away matches. Now we had a an in, uh, a, I won't say an incident, but basically one of the reasons the Sounders I think were so successful here was not other than it being a huge soccer community before that. Uh, the 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 Seattle Superhawks. Uh, <laughs> no, excuse me, that's the team I work for now. That's a minor league team. The Seattle Supersonics. Uh, left and so that we were able to have the Sounders kind of fill that void mm-hmm. uh, do you think uh, <laughs> losing the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL after this year is gonna <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh uh, I just I just it was it's I'm so excited that you have a team because you see you know like the Rams moving back yeah and yeah um, 
you know, the I don't know, I don't know how old you are, but the uh, the Cardinals, of course, moving to Phoenix, and then now the Battle Hawks moving to LA. It seems like St. Louis never gets a fair chance in sports because of the owners, and this this seems like a different situation. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's a real kick in the face sometimes when you when you see stuff like that because you know, the less said about the guy that owns the Rams, the better, in my opinion, but. You know, he took a lot of unnecessary shots and shoveled a lot of dirt on the city on his way out the door. And um, it's a good town. It's a good it's a great sports town. You know, you look at the the two franchises that have been here for a while and the Blues and the Cardinals, and they have extraordinarily rabid, passionate fan bases. And, you know, for all the all the shots that the NFL wanted to take at the city prior to leaving the last time about how the attendance was terrible and this, that and the other you look at the product that that team was putting on the field and I'll say deliberately putting on the field yeah. uh, to fit a certain narrative that they wanted, you know, that's not a true reflection. You go back, they were still filling that dome up or, or putting it close to capacity, even when the team was, you know, the worst in league history over a five-year span. So, you know, for the people who are not in this market to hear that on the national news and think that that's the narrative, it's, it's not true. And, I think the fact that you're seeing already through three matches with with City, it's been a sellout every single time. And the thing that has been super cool to see is that, you know, even though St. Louis is very much a soccer hotbed in terms of just it's so interwoven with the community, we've never had a, you know, a major league pro team here. You know, we've had some other teams that are professional teams in the lower leagues, but nothing to this degree. And so, like, the city doesn't know how to do MLS right so we're all figuring it out and the supporters section has been super loud drums the flags are chanting and the thing that's been really cool for me to watch is you look around the entire rest of the stadium they're all standing and chanting and well they're learning the chants people are picking it up (laughs) but everybody else is standing and i guess for the most part they're all like is this what we do i think this is what we do it's really it's really been a cool thing to witness you know yeah that's one of the really cool things about a team coming in is that kind of growth you start seeing right away, but also you come in and, and immediately start winning. And I think broke the record of LA, Chicago, and Seattle in terms of uh, unbeaten streak to start the season. Uh, what's that been like to come in and immediately just have your franchise win? Is it, was there a thought that, that the team would be this successful or uh, what? I think anybody who, <laughs> anybody who told you that was lying. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, and I think a lot of people, we all thought that this team might be something special, but you just don't know. Cause it's, it's guys that, you know, we had the advantage of having a lot of our MLS regulars coming in last year and playing on the city two team on the next pro league. So there was some continuity there. Some guys are getting minutes and, you know, you could build a sense of team that way, but until it actually plays out on the MLS pitch, you just, you just don't know. Right. So I think we all thought that we would be competitive, but I don't think anybody in their right mind would have said, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to start out going five and oh and then give Minnesota everything they can handle for that six match too. And, you know, come away with a loss, but um holy crap has it been fun (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's there's something about soccer specifically that uh i think people who aren't fans don't realize where you know everyone says oh you know oh it's so low scoring but when that goal happens it's almost like this orgasmic release of joy (laughs) 
you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they, and, and, you know, really, I mean, I, I'm a Seahawks season ticket holder, so I'm not going to talk too much trash about NFL, but there's seven minutes of total gameplay over a three hour period. Plus, uh, you know, the team wins 28 to 14, really, that's just four to two. So, right. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's, it's not that much different in football. Uh, it just gets a, they just multiply everything by you know six and then add the extra point. So, um, how you, you've been immersed in the supporter group culture through the, uh, SLC punks. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask, is there <laughs> rather, cause outside of St. Louis, we would have said STL C punks. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You think is it was there any knowledge or nod towards uh the the movie SLC Punk when you were thinking about making that? So hundred percent that's that's a major component of the inspiration. So our um you know our our ethos, if you want to call it that, is rooted in in music and and the punk rock vibe. So, you know, if any any of you sounders guys come out to a match at St. Louis anytime come look for us. We're the ones in the punk rock fests with the patches and the buttons and stuff like that. Um, so myself and the other three founders, Andy, Rob, and Danielle, we've all been friends a really long time. And, and Andy and Rob and I even went to high school together and we've always been a huge fan of punk rock. And we used to watch that movie all the time in high school. So it was absolutely an odd, uh, when we, when we started this thing, almost kind of by accident, uh, I don't remember if it was Andy or Rob, but one of them was joking around and said, oh, yeah, we, we should do like a the punk rock thing that we've been joking around. And it was like, oh, St. Louis City, SLC punks. And yeah. there you go. So it's amazing. Yeah, but uh, we won't go too far down into the weeds because most of our listeners probably do not listen to punk rock. But <laughs> what were some of the bands that that you loved uh, either then or now? Oh, man, I. I, the one thing is, I'll say we're getting super immersed in a lot more stuff as we get people to join and they're throwing more and more bands out. But for me, like, was always a huge fan of the Ramones, listened to a lot of Blink when I was in high school. You know, those are bands that I heard a lot. Um, a lot of our members are really big fans of uh, Frank Turner, who's just oh, yeah. phenomenal, really positive music um, it, on top of that. Um, and the Interrupters are another big one. Um, so... It's been cool because we've got this whole music thing going. So a lot of people are constantly throwing stuff in our discord about different bands. So I'm getting exposed to all kinds of stuff and it's not even just punk either. So yeah. we've got a lot of, a lot of uh, deadheads in our group too, that somehow oh, wow. infiltrated, but yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're good people despite that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a deadhead for about a week when I was 13. <laughs> I remember I listened to them nonstop for about a week. I, I actually just started listening to some of their music again to see if it was good or not because i couldn't remember but yeah you can see i got my alkaline trio uh thing on my guitar back there oh yeah i thought i noticed that yeah so uh yeah i I grew up uh well in seattle i grew up an indie kid because uh other than mxpx there wasn't a lot of punk coming out of here uh Mm -hmm. sicko and then as soon as i moved to the bay area for college i started doing a punk rock radio show so uh, nice that now it's mainly talk but i've been doing that since 1999 so uh, I've been immersed in the punk rock community for a long time in the Bay Area and a little bit here. And so that's so awesome to me. Like uh, you are my people. So if I make it out that way, I definitely will come hang out. And I think there's a Gorilla FC who the listeners know I'm the president of. Uh, there's a strong uh, punk rock ethos in what we do, too. It's all DIY stuff and um, very cool you know, building communities. So, yeah, I want to talk about what what is the the ethos of 
SL City Punks? Yeah, so I think for us, it's, you know, admittedly, the four of us founders were not deeply immersed in soccer culture. Um, you know, our supporters group is a little over a year old at this point. So we all wanted season tickets. We kind of stumbled into accidentally starting a supporters group just because we liked music. And we thought it would be a good opportunity for us to meet a lot of new people and build a community. So for us, it's really about inclusion. doesn't matter um you know your background your ethnicity sexual orientation sexual preference age gender none of that stuff you know we want anybody and everybody who's a good human who wants to hang out have a good time watch some soccer and meet some other people just be a part of our group and feel comfortable being at the games being in that setting because i know you know when you get into the sports world it's not always the most comfortable for people who don't uh you know i'm sure your listeners can't see us but who don't look like two straight white men you know um so we we want people who you know come from all walks of life to be a part of that community you know it's st louis as a city is a very diverse community itself and we want that to be represented in the supporter groups as well um and then the other part of it too that's really important is we've got a strong background our charity partner is heavily involved in um you know mental health and suicide prevention which is which is really important to us too for a variety of reasons so has there been any, uh, first off, that's amazing. I love it. Um, that's what we love to see with supporter groups. And um, is there any element of, in the mind, St. Saint, Saint St. What do you call someone from St. Louis? St. Louisan, I think, is the generally accepted term, I guess. Okay. River folk, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That that inclusion that you feel, has there been any extra push towards that uh, after, I mean, we can go back to like what happened in Ferguson, Missouri and stuff like that. Like, does that come into it or is that far enough back that people don't really think about it? Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, we're all very socially conscious and, and politically conscious around, you know, the history and also things that that intersect in our daily lives. So I don't know that it's a, like a, like an active push, but it's certainly something that we're very considerate of. Um, you know, I think just like any other major city around the country, there's certainly pockets where there's segregation and things like that. And, and the club, you know, kind of flipping it even from the supporters group, the club has done a lot to really bring those separate elements together and really be a club that's for all of the city and not just this segment or this portion of the population. In fact, you know, if, if people go out to the stadium, there's a, um, uh, like an art installment monument on the Southwest side of the stadium, um, that pays tribute to the Mill Creek Valley, which was a predominantly, um, black neighborhood that was basically raised back in the fifties, uh, to make way for, I guess, downtown businesses or whatever. So it, it, you know, it pays tribute to this black community that was basically a race. And frankly, I didn't even know it existed until they put this in because the 50s were way before my time. So, you know, you even see that sort of push from the club to just make sure that people realize this is for everybody. It's not just for certain people. That's so cool. That's, I mean, that that's the club doing it right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love that. What here we'll get we'll we'll get into a little bit more soccer nitty gritty then because I know that's what our listeners want. Yeah. Uh, who are the players that you think the Sounders should watch out for in this game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to start with Joao Klaus, right? You know, the 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 big guy up front, and uh, he's been a scoring machine this year. I think he's sitting on 
five or six goals and four or five at three or four assists, something like that. I think he might be um, second in the, the the golden boot behind Jordan Morris. If I, if I yeah, I was just gonna yeah, say yeah. you guys got a got a goal score on your own of your own out there, but yeah, he's for a guy who looks like he's forty six and is like twenty four or whatever, like he, you know, he's this big mountain of a man, and he is deceptively quick. He's stronger than hell, and the guy just has a knack for being in the right place on the ball at the right time. So I think you know he's definitely a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, but I think beyond that, we've got a couple of really, um, you know, a couple midfielders that are just really good with the ball. Like Edward Leuven there in the middle has been lights out all season. His passing, I think, is is underrated um, around the league. He just seems to have a good eye for the next the you know the next play before he makes it. Um, it you know, those are kind of the two obvious guys I think um, that probably show up you know to be circled on the board for Seattle, but. Um, you know, the other thing too, I think is that, is that our, our keeper Berkey is just, you don't look at his numbers and think, oh man, that's a keeper who's really doing a necessarily an amazing job because he doesn't have a ton of saves. I know he's got the two clean sheets, but you know, they just don't get the ball on him all that much. But I think with this high pressing attack that St. Louis has been playing, he's been ranging way up the field and has almost functioned like a fifth defender in most cases. And just, you know, has really, I think, allowed the rest of the team to play more in the attacking end. So I think those are the three sort of players that just spring to mind immediately to me. What about, uh, and he he's a bench player, but he has gotten, uh, let's see, about 71 minutes total. Sam Adineron, have you, have you had a chance to watch him play at all? He's He, of course, is yeah. a Sounders guy who uh, just transferred over to St. Louis and someone that we had high hopes for, but just was never able to take that next step. Uh, it seems like he is getting um, some sub minutes, though. He is. Um, and I'm trying to think. I believe he started the last game, if memory serves. I can't pull it up quickly enough here to not leave you with a bunch of dead air. But I'll tell you this. Uh, when he is on the pitch, man, he is ungodly fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that was the first thing that, that stuck out to me. But he – I think um, – I think with him, you know, he's he's obviously kind of been um, playing a little bit behind like Klaus and uh, Giacchini, uh, the other forward there in terms of just the minutes for sure. But um, that's the nice thing about St. Louis is they've just had such depth so far that even when they're subbing guys in, it doesn't really seem like you notice a whole lot of drop off in play or or even uh, change stylistically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's. I think that's the model that Garth Lagerwey started doing at St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, excuse me. <laughs> the SLC got me now uh, at Salt Lake, <laughs> uh, at Salt Lake city. Uh, and then brought to Seattle and now is bringing to Atlanta. Uh, is that something that teams happen is when you have to sub, sometimes your team falls apart, but if you have a system in place where you have the next man up mentality that can happen. And it seems like MLS is really moving towards that. Yeah. Uh, What's been the biggest surprise for you so far from uh, being being in the at the games and just having a new franchise? Man, can I say the five and zero starters are cheating? No, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's what an amazing start, right? Like to come in to have immediate success has that made it so that it went it became a much bigger story in St. Louis that more people wanted to go to games and I think 
I mean, I think so. It was already such a high demand ticket anyway, but I think everybody just had this don't pinch me. I'm still dreaming moment um, for the first five weeks. It's like I kind of mentioned earlier, you kind of go into the season and you're like, we think we might be good, but we're not really sure because you just haven't seen it happen. And then, you know, week one against Austin, which was a team that, you know, that did rather well for themselves last year. I know some of the underlying metrics kind of said otherwise about the quality there, but hard fought team in a raucous environment, first ever game on the road. And they came out with a huge come from behind win. And so it just snowballed from there. And, you know, you play Charlotte for the home opener, which was going to be nuts. And you just don't know, like, is the team going to, you know, are they going to play up to the pressure? Is that going to help them or is it going to hinder them? And it, it obviously helped. Um, so I think we've just been kind of riding the high and even the, you know, even the Minnesota game last week, it was a pretty even affair. Uh, St. Louis certainly could have scored a couple goals, especially in the first half. And, you know, it could have gone really, we could have won drew or, or lost. Um, so it didn't, I don't think anybody walked out of there feeling too bad about it. I think, you know, for St. Louis, at least we kind of circled that one, the Seattle game. And then next week as well as sort of like the, the three biggest tests in terms of quality opponents coming up. So, you know, I feel like we're all starting to think, okay, this is maybe where we find out what we really are. You know, is this just a mirage or is this for real? But um, it's just, Right now, I think we're still just all on cloud nine and we're just happy to be here. You know, maybe that's the wrong approach to take, but we're just enjoying the ride. Yeah, no, that's a great approach to take. And and I think you're right. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth where Minnesota, Seattle, Cincinnati all in a row is a very tough uh, streak of games. Uh, but uh, these next two are at home, right? So mm -hmm. uh, it, I think that'll be very interesting um, to see what happens. Um, the... Minnesota's a good team. I mean, I think they're, they they always start off kind of slow and then end up being, like, at the end, making the top two or three teams in the West, it feels like now. Mm -hmm. But uh, they had a <laughs> – in 2020, they had a very unfortunate ending where the Sounders scored three goals in 15 minutes in the Western Conference Finals to go to the MLS Cup. So they've been, they've been knocked out by – they don't like us very much. <laughs> um, but uh, it'll, I, I'm interested to see what happens – coming up here and, and whether this game can start a rivalry between Seattle and St. Louis, because we had a little bit of one going on in football with the yeah. Seahawks and the Rams. Didn't matter how bad the Rams were. They would beat the Seahawks, especially in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, Rams could have one win and it would be against the Seahawks. So right. <laughs> it was, it was tough. So there, there's a little bit of history there. And so, and, and you being in the West, which I found interesting. I think it's probably a product of not having a central conference, but yeah. Um, do you think that St. Louis Chicago rivalry is missing a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things where like Chicago is always kind of rivalry. Cause you look at the baseball with the Cubs Cardinals and, and hockey with the blues and Blackhawks. And, and you always kind of circle that one as being the, the rivalry, but you know, I hope you don't have a whole lot of fire fans listening, but the team's not very good. So I don't know how much rivalry you get the first couple of years. Uh, you know, I don't want to look over and we got them coming up in uh, in May. So I don't want to talk too much trash and jinx it. But, uh, you know, I think rivalries are interesting because it usually comes down to like a, a combination of geography, some crazy off the field, something or other. And, you know, how good the two teams are when they play one another. And I think, 
you know, with Seattle, there is some connection there with the with the NFL stuff back in the day. But it also, I'm thinking too, it doesn't hurt that both the teams are, you know, basically one and two at the table right now for their first yeah. ever meeting. So that, you know, that adds a little spice into it this week, which is good. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. You had the raucous atmosphere in Austin, and then coming here, uh, what what that will be like. Um, I'm super excited. Like I'm, I think this is going to be a super fun game. Uh, I'm generally pretty pessimistic about Seattle sports because I've been a sports <laughs> fan my whole life, and I've watched us uh, snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory over and over again. You know, I'm a lifelong Mariners fan. So <laughs> I, yeah, uh, there's a lot of pain behind those eyes when you say that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I I'm for this match. I'm just super excited. I think it's gonna be really fun. Um, I've always loved when expansion teams come in because we were once an expansion team and, uh, you know, we had that great successful start and, uh, I think it'd just be a great match. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it should be a relatively even match. I, um, I mean, Seattle's on a roll and, you know, scoring goals in bunches and, and, um, it's interesting because I think, you know, like St. Louis's strength so far, it seems like is to be playing without the ball. Um, Cause I honestly, I'd have to go back and look, but I think the Minnesota game was our first game winning the possession battle was the first game we lost. So I think, you know, that opportunistic style lends itself to playing without the ball without the ball. But I also feel like Seattle is very comfortable doing the same thing. So it, it just makes you wonder how that actually looks on paper. And I guess that's for, uh, for the managers to decide. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think the, the technical matchups may decide, a lot because you get in and the thing about Seattle right now is we don't know who's going to start at what positions because Leo Chu has been a revelation at the left wing and usually Jordan Morris would be there but because Leo Chu's so good Jordan's playing up top but then we have Raul Ruiz Diaz who is one of the best forwards in the game uh on the bench and so how do you get them both on the, the field uh yeah it'll be pretty fascinating um I think we should probably wrap up here time-wise. Uh, where can people find you and SL uh, City Punks and and just uh, find out more about everything you're doing? Yeah, so we are online. i got to make sure I get this correct without uh, without getting the addresses screwed up. Because <laughs> no I, I always screw up our socials. I'm bad at that stuff. So we are, we are to be found at slcitypunks.com. We've got a website there. Um, our, uh, we're on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're on, uh, at SL city punks on both of those. It's the same, same handle. And we also have a, um, I forgot to mention this earlier, so I'm going to get in trouble, but we also have, um, sort of a subgroup, um, following the riot girls culture. So we've got, uh, SL at SLCP underscore riot girls. And that's girls three G R R R. LS got to make sure I get the number of R's correct. So um, yeah. So that's, that's our Danielle. Uh, one of our co-founders is sort of the leader on that with a lot of our, our female and femme punks. And it's, it's been awesome for them to have sort of a, a space for their voice within the larger SLCP community. So um, yeah, like I said, we're the, we're the ones in the uh, supporter section with the vests on and uh, we got one of the big flags in front and we're just, we're just there to have a good time, man. It's been awesome so far. Love it. Yeah. And Seattle has a deep connection with uh, the Riot Girl movement based on uh, 
Olympia being so close where a lot of those bands came from and just, um, you know, the history of Mia Zapata getting murdered and all this crazy mm -hmm. Seattle music history that, that was involved in that scene. So uh, I really love that. Um, thank you so much for coming on with me, Brandon. It's been awesome. and oh, My pleasure, man. So much. And hopefully, uh, you know, when, next time we play, we can talk again and, and uh, we can be rivals then. Perfect. Yeah, we can bring a little bring a little heat to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Cameron. You can follow the Sounders Scuttlebutt podcast on Twitter at SSFC Scuttlebutt. And for all inquiries, including questions for the gents or sponsorship opportunities, please email contact at scuttlebuttproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show for new episodes following every Sounders FC match. And don't forget to share your feedback by rating and reviewing. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BritVoxus. That's BritVoxUS. We'll see you at Lumen and go Sounders. Alexa, who's the best MLS team of all time? Seattle Sounders are both unequivocally and the best MLS team of all time.